Welcome to Big Brave Business. This is a podcast built on the belief that you can create absolutely anything for yourself. Whether it's a dream job or a dream life, it's all possible for you. I'm Amanda Nelson, a virtual assistant and digital marketer. And that's Sarah Heater, podcast producer and strategic consultant. Each week, we will share insights from working with dozens of clients, stories of how we got where we are, and encourage you to see us as your new business besties. So grab a cup of coffee and let's talk being brave in business. Welcome back to Big Brave Business. We are back for another week and I'm bulldozing Amanda. (laughs) Girl, you are so fine. I am happy to be back. I feel like we haven't recorded in forever. Did we record last week? We didn't. I took the week off of meetings. We oh, right. we talked about what we could talk about today. That sounds really <laughs> meta. And one of the things we said we could talk about is boundaries. When that's not what we're talking about today, but I will say that is I think I've mentioned it on here before. That's one of the things I'm trying is one week of the month to do zero meetings. And last week was my birthday. Woo! So, oh my gosh, I said that so extra. Last week was my birthday. And I decided to make that week my no meeting week. And um, it was, you know, I'm torn on whether or not it's effective because I love having a no meeting week. It was so freeing, except I had like the Sunday scaries all week, knowing that the last two weeks of the month were then going to be absolute meeting jail. <laughs> so do you get the Sunday scaries? Well, usually no, because I work seven days a week. <laughs> but yeah. I um or if I take a day off, it's a random day. You know, it's yeah. not like I don't take weekends. Um weekends in particular are really, really big for client work. Like a lot of people get their stuff in at the end of the week for the next week. So then I'm working all weekend. So if I do take days off, they're usually weekdays. Sometimes I take a Saturday. But anyways, all of that to say, no, Sunday is not usually scary because it's just continuing like status quo. But I felt like I had the Sunday scaries all week because I was looking (laughs) at my jam-packed calendar this week and I was like, oh my God. Well, it's fun that you say that. Literally all of my clients last week were rather on vacation or they were like out on for spring break. And so I had such a chill like week and a half. It was amazing. Mm. <laughs> and then everybody came back and it's been balls to the wall, incredibly busy now that everybody is back. But I did have a couple like a week that was so chill. I did find myself periodically being like, oh my God, there's something I'm supposed to be doing and having the scaries for real, yeah. for real. But I'm glad you had a good, um, a good time off, I hope. Yeah, it was a good time off. It was super low key. I was just explaining this to somebody yesterday, but I've never been good at play. And ever since I was like a kid, I've always been like, play feels like a waste of time and I should be being productive. Mm -hmm. And this was really, really, really strong in college. I really struggled in college with doing things that were quote unquote purely fun. I could have fun being productive. And And people used to tease me of like, everything always comes back to my resume. So for me, it's like, let's do something that's making us better people or like let's do something that's contributing to our work experience or let's volunteer and contribute to our community or something, then that's fun to me. (laughs) So here I am in my 30s practicing 
play and practicing fun just for fun's sake. So this this past week, it was my birthday. I called everything that I did a birthday celebration, even though my birthday was Monday. So by Friday, it was very, very over. <laughs> but I was still calling everything that I – it was like a good mindset shift for I can have fun. This is a birthday celebration, even though it's not my birthday anymore. So anyway, yeah, that's my – that's my big challenge is focusing on play. Good for you. Good for you. It's hard. It's sometimes the guilt that overcomes me when I'm out at brunch on a Sunday and I'm like, oh, the, the birds are singing. There's a farmer's market. I'm going to go get pancakes and a mimosa and I'm going to wear this pretty sundress and I'm going to enjoy being out with my husband. It's gorgeous. And then I sit down and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I should be doing something. I'm going to regret this. But I always have to tell myself, I all, when I get in that mindset, I think to myself, okay, when I turn 60 years old, 70 years old, I'm going to look back and I'm not going to think to myself, oh my gosh, should I get all those, all those graphics made for that client? But I am <laughs> going to remember, oh, I remember holding my husband's hand and walking through the park Aww. and getting fresh flowers and like enjoying a beautiful spring Sunday. And that's what I tell myself. And that gives me so much more reassurance. And I also remind myself, in six months, the things I'm worried about now are not even going to be on my radar, whether it's for a client or for myself or whether I need to do 12 loads of laundry. Nothing is going to make me feel more happy and more. And I'm not going to remember it. I'm not going to remember all this little things that I'm stressed out about. And that has helped me. And frankly, neither will your clients. I think. exactly. Yeah. Like it feels like the most important thing in the moment. I had someone, I heard somebody say once that in moments of like high stress, ask yourself, is this going to matter to me in five years? And, or another version of that I've heard is, see, I think this might've come from Eric, this one. So shout out to you, Eric, listening to this. <laughs> if you're like, I said that. Wait and see if it still bothers you tomorrow. If it still bothers you tomorrow, then it's more real. But yeah. If it feels less important tomorrow, then it's just a like a momentary stress. I don't know. There's a lot of like, I guess, little yeah, little life lessons like that. But I think that's a really good perspective of like, what are you going to remember? You're going to remember that quality time with your husband and those yeah. cute date moments and this kind of phase of your life. And you and I, because of my birthday, have been talking a lot about aging mm. this past week. And I just feel like as you get older, you think about what really matters, you know? That sounds so cheesy, but here I am bringing the cheese. <laughs> Listen, we're getting at that age where the cheese is so real. <laughs> and I also will go a little step further on this same mindset that I've been really teaching myself and working through, and it has drastically helped me mentally and like mental health-wise when it comes to work, is this same thing applies to procrastination, which is, in moments that you are, say you have a task that you are dreading doing, you're like, I'll speak for myself. When I have a task that I'm really dreading, I start thinking about all the things that I have to do. Oh my gosh, I've got to go to this platform and I got to go to Trello and I got to pull the details off of Trello and then I got to go log into this platform and get it set up and then I got to go create the assets to put into the platform and then I've got to go back and update and it becomes this overwhelming thing. Instead, just do the thing. 
And when you get done doing, just force yourself to do it. Don't put it off and think, oh my gosh, I just do not even want to deal. If you will go ahead and get it over with and get it done, nine times out of 10, when I'm done with it, I'm like, wow, Amanda, you really built that up bigger in your brain than it really was. Do you do that? Yeah, it's almost never as bad as I thought no. it was going to be on the thing I was putting off. Totally. Halfway, halfway through it, I'm like, oh, well, this is easy. Why did I just go? Why did I just go ahead and do this? But instead, what I do is I keep that running. If you're anything like me, you constantly have this damn running to do list in the back of your brain. And the whole time I'm like, I've really got to get that done. Amanda, you have to get that done. You have to get that done. And I end up talking myself off the ledge. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow because I hate it. Don't want to do it. And then halfway through when I force myself to do it, I'm like, I could have like had that mental energy back three days ago, three days ago. Yeah. So anyways, those are, those are my life lessons for No, I totally agree. And during that no meeting week, part of the reason why I do that is because I have all these like project based tasks that need to get done. And when I'm in wall to wall meetings, (laughs) when my meeting schedule is balls to the wall, (laughs) I feel like I don't have time to then sit and spend like an hour or an hour and a half knocking out a project, you know, or let alone like a big project that's going to take several hours. So I need those no meeting weeks so I can knock out projects. And it's crazy because I had this list of projects I wanted to get done last week. And the first day, like on Sunday, (laughs) I in in, at the spirit of trying to not work at all on my birthday, I worked – so many projects like I did so many and I knocked off almost my whole project list for the week on Sunday which is just crazy like I thought this was gonna take me I don't know to your point it was not nearly as big of a deal as I was making it yeah I also struggle with a little bit of guilt and I keep telling myself we're not doing guilt anymore I tell I like that was my number one thing for this year was there's no guilt I'm not doing guilt this year I'm just not subscribing to that thank you no. But this past week when I'll have some clients that are traditional, not traditional, um, what's the word? Um, yeah, traditional Orthodox Jew. And so they were out for all of Passover until um, just yesterday. So they were out for like, a, I think a week and a half in celebration of Passover. They actually live in Israel. And so I had those clients out. It was also spring break. So I had like six of my biggest clients were out for a week and a half to two weeks. And so I still worked, of course, but I didn't do the nighttime hours that I typically do. And I didn't have all those meetings. So I was really able to like go for a walk in the middle of the day, just take time away where I'm normally glued to my computer because I'm like servicing them, talking to them. And the whole time I kept telling myself, you could be getting so many more little things done. You get so much more little things done. But I kept telling myself, when do you ever get this uninterrupted time? This time where you can like sit in the floor and play with your dog for an hour and like chill out and not feel so stressed. Go on a date night, which I very rarely do during the week because I have client work you know so I try don't here's the thing we're not doing any guilt do not feel guilty about taking time away do not procrastinate do the damn project you'll be so happy that you did it's not near as bad as you are making it in your head I guarantee it and then the last thing is celebrate your birthday every day day of the year you deserve to celebrate this is really interesting because what we originally talked about talking about for this episode was fear. And I feel like this kind of all goes together because there's, 
I have referred to my dear friend without calling her by name, Amy, who so many times on this podcast, I have so many Amyisms of she does so much following thought leaders and therapy and personal development and all this. So I don't actually know where this came from. For me, this came from Amy, which I say all the time on this podcast. So another Amyism. She talks about fog, fear, obligation, and guilt. And I feel like we really tackled obligation and guilt already in this conversation because I talked about obligation of like wanting to feel responsible and not playing. And then you're just talking about guilt. And um, I guess that also applies to what I was saying too, is guilt feeling like having fun or playing just to play gives me this feeling of like, I should be doing something productive, right? It's all related. So I feel like fear really is the third piece of this. So it kind of works out. It's like a fear, obligation, and guilt podcast. We didn't plan that, but that's okay. So Yes, we did, Sarah. What? what are you talking about? Of course we did. We're brilliant. We're we just, just like we naturally good at this. <laughs> no work involved whatsoever. We have a natural talent for establishing an even better topic than we planned. So when it comes to the fear part, like, what are some of the fears you have about business and entrepreneurship? Or I guess we could talk about fears in life also if you want. But yeah, my biggest fear when it comes to work, I never fear, is there going to be enough work? I know that there will be enough work. I'm talented enough. I work hard enough. My, I really have no fears about, oh my gosh, can I pay my bills? I don't have fear about that. I don't have fear about, will I be able to keep my clients? I don't worry about that. Because I genuinely do subscribe to the mentality of if a client decides to move on, then we just weren't a good fit anymore. Like I genuinely have always believed that the things that are for me will be there for me and the things that aren't there for me will leave my life. It happens. Seasons come, seasons go. It's like I tell you all the time, everything is a season. You're down this week. It's just a season. You're having a really, really, really awesome week. It's just a season. Like everything will change. That's so interesting because basically what you're saying is I'm going to bring up the Enneagram again. So if you made us a drinking game, go ahead and take another drink. (laughs) But as an Enneagram six and like craving security, right? Because that's like what we were talking about with your six. It's funny then that what you're not afraid of is a rough season of turnover in your business. But you want to know why? It's because I already expect it. If I, di- if I was th- sitting here going, oh my God, I'm going to be the most successful person in the world. I am the absolute best. If I, if I subscribe to mm-hmm. that, then I would, I would be setting myself up for that fear. However, I know that there are plenty other people in the world that do what I do. I know there are plenty other people that do it cheaper, maybe quicker even, maybe even better. But guess what? I know I do my best and I know that people are going to leave. It's just the name of the game. It's it's not surprising to me. So if I prepare, part of a six is you're constantly preparing for the worst. So I do. I prepare myself for the worst. I constantly expect, yeah, a client is going to turn over or cut their hours like it happens. And I'm never really surprised. But that also comes with having a lot of self-confidence, and a lot of self-belief, which I really, really work on probably the number one thing I work on is believing in myself more than anybody else. I believe in me. I don't need to find any validation from anybody else because I work hard. There's like, as my grandmother always says, there is proof in my pudding. I do. (laughs) I do what I say I'm going to do. But to answer your question, (laughs) my biggest fear is disappointing other people. 
I don't want to sell myself to someone and then them come back and say, hey, you weren't what I purchased (laughs) or your services aren't up to par with what I was thinking. That disappointment factor, it like weighs very heavily on me. I want people to be happy with my services. If I just can't make somebody happy, I just can't make somebody happy. But genuinely, I fear, worry, lose sleep over did I get that done for them? They asked me to, did I do that? I think I did that. I'm about 90% sure I did that. I worry more about the like, oh, I really like Amanda as a person, but as an employee, she hasn't been great. Like that would be like knife to the heart, knife to the heart. I would rather someone just come to me and lie and tell me that they need to move on because they're having financial struggles than to find out that it was a failure on my part. That is what fuels me. Is that crazy? No, it's not. It's not crazy, but it's kind of sad. Um, But I think fear is always (laughs) fear is always kind of sad, though. Yeah, it is. Um, That's interesting. It's interesting that you. Sorry, I'm overusing that word, but I'm just very interested in you, Amanda. Oh, I. (laughs) I think. I think it is another word besides interesting that you would go into the line of work that you're in with a fear like that. I don't think I really knew I had it until I started working (laughs) really for myself, just to be fair, because when I worked in corporate, I never worried about that. (laughs) Oh, that's interesting. I never, I think it's because. Here I go again. I'm still so interested. like interestingly observing me, not analyzing me. I think when I worked in corporate, though, it's not a face-to-face situation. You're, and you also work as a team. This over here that I'm doing is like, it's a one-woman show. It is all on me. There is no, there is no like, deflecting. There's no, um, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I was waiting on Paul. We're going to make him a man. Or I was waiting on Paul <laughs> to get me the data report so that I could put this We're presentation together. We're always waiting on men. like our life story so I never I never I don't have that I don't have that like security of blaming somebody else it is all on me there is no excuse so I worry all the time because it's there's nobody else there is nobody else to to blame if something's not done on time it's me myself and I and then I have to face the music I constantly when it comes to client work you constantly face the music you constantly are having to explain yourself not necessarily a negative way but you are having to be responsible and answer to a client and tell them hey I'm sorry um like for instance this past week we had insane weather in Mobile it was beautiful spring weather then we had two days where we lost electricity one was due to just straight up wind and then the other one was over the weekend thank god but I couldn't work as much as I wanted to this weekend because we lost power for like six hours and then today it's freezing outside like I have I have no idea what's happening um and I can't I cannot relate to the it's freezing I am like so depressed because it's been so hot here yeah so this week I lost power twice the excuse that I really have is like hey I'm sorry I'm literally working off of a hot spot right now like just give me a little bit of grace I'm doing the best I can that's the only like grace that I can give myself is like when a natural disaster is happening there is no hey Paul and you know HR you're taking forever to respond to my email you know it's just me so that fear really comes from the buck stops here and I want to make sure that I deliver Mm -hmm. and it's another reason why I thrive on positive reinforcement and verbal verbal confirmation like hey you're doing a great job is because I'm constantly wondering are you happy with my services did you really like that graphic I 
I made? Or um, was that presentation successful? Did that video commercial get you a client? Like I, <laughs> I like again, this is what I've said over and over again. I worry more about my clients than they think I do. <laughs> so anyways, my biggest fear is from the disappointment factor. I don't want people to feel like, and I take it very seriously when people give me their money. I never want someone to feel as though they're not getting their money's worth. So what yeah. about what about you? What's your fear in business first? My fear, my biggest fear in business is that this is all temporary. My biggest fear is that this freedom that I've built for myself, this life that I love, that one day I'm going to be back in a chair under the fluorescent lighting of somebody else's company <laughs> working a <laughs> nine to five. That is like, I am... I love what I do and I know that I'm good at what I do and I know that my clients are happy. Um, I work really hard to make sure that they're happy. You work really hard to make sure that they're happy. Like Eric works really hard to make sure that they're happy. We have this like small but mighty team and hopefully here growing soon. And um, so I don't know what I think would happen that would cause it to be over. But I just, I think this probably comes from, this is like feels really deep, but (laughs) I feel like it really comes from any time you've experienced in life, like the rug being pulled out from under you, the more that you have those experiences, you kind of expect that it's going to happen, I think. Yeah. So having started this because I, I don't know if we've, did we talk about this on the podcast? I, I started this business because my job was eliminated and that was really painful and hard and I was totally blindsided and I I think that feeling of oh yeah we talked about it because I told Mm -hmm. you about my uh, Halloween costume I think that feeling of sitting there mortified and blown away and like honestly struggling to even process that that was happening while it was happening has me almost convinced that it will happen again like that wasn't just a a lightning strike like that happens life happens and the rug gets pulled out from under you sometimes and it's not like that's the only time I've had the rug pulled out from under me obviously I've had like relationships end and this and that but I I think this was the most the one that ha- affected me the most and definitely the one that blindsided me the most. And so I just have this like I don't ever want to be sitting there in a fucking Halloween costume while the rug is getting pulled out from under me and my whole life is upending ever yeah. again. Like here's the deal though. You have to tell yourself that because I've been through some pretty embarrassing and hard life shit you know, um, specifically in my mid twenties that, you know, about some pretty horrible and very embarrassing shit happened. You have to rely in those situations, I think, and telling yourself and the confidence to know that you could rebuild and make it even better. Yeah. Well, I think this kind of has proven that to me. And I was just sharing with somebody the other day who also is, an entrepreneur has been an entrepreneur for the last several years just found themselves back in a nine to five and we were chit-chatting on voice memos yesterday and I was saying I feel like I mean you know could you try this could you try this could you try this like I feel like I would try 
almost anything entrepreneurial before I would put myself back as a butt in a seat in yeah. a corporate job. And and I I do really mean that. And I because I've been able to make it work before, I feel like I could make it work again. Like I do, I do have that belief. I know that because I've built a business, I could build another business. I could start from scratch. I've already done it. I know I could. I know how to do it. And and I do believe that. But yeah, that's that's definitely my big fear is that this is temporary. Like it's all gonna go away. And so yeah. I'm just trying to like live it up while it lasts and really enjoy it. And I believe that it will have a future and I believe it will go somewhere. And I believe this is not my, this is only my first business. This is not my last business. Like there will be more, but I, I don't know. I don't know. I just, um, that's like definitely a deep seated fear of like, what if this ends? What if this all goes away? Yeah. I also struggle with, because I do work so hard, I do hustle. I do work, you know, six to seven days a week. Another pretty big fear of mine is this is totally unsustainable like yeah it is unsustainable full stop there is no way that I can continue to work and bill the amount of hours and and time in this business when I'm in my 60s like that's unsustainable right so I'm kind of yeah like there is going to be a new iteration at some point because there has to be there has to be yeah so I can't continue to live like the way and work the way that I do forever like realistically there is there has to be something different I've got to start another business or you know and there's nothing there's there and I've said it before there's really nothing about this that about my job as a virtual assistant that I want to make into a group of I don't want to start an agency like that to me because I know I would just work really hard at that. <laughs> like, I just know that it would be more work. So to really figure out, like, I'm 33 right now. How many more years am I going to invest in doing this to the level that I'm doing it? I think I'll always will do this job. I hope I always will. I really do enjoy it. Um, but it t- to what end and to what to what length, you know? And then mm-hmm. when when retirement, quote unquote, retirement comes, what does that look like? You know, and I think that's what anybody that works for themselves, it's kind of like, it's not scalable. But then I also remind myself too, Amanda, think of all the years that you invested and worked in a company that you have nothing to show for when I worked in corporate and think of all the years that I made the exact same amount of money year to year, week to week, month to month, no matter as, as much effort as I put in as possible. And I have nothing to show for it. I'm not passionate about that business, at least in the company that I'm in quote unquote company, me, um, in the business that I'm in, I'm investing in myself and I'm getting to do it in a way that I like and I'm responsible for. But yeah, there is that fear of, and I don't, I don't even want to call it a fear because I'm aware of it. Again, if I'm aware of it, it's really not a scary thing to me. It's the unknown that's scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, and I have the stuff said, you don't deal with that scares you totally. And I've said it over and over and over again. I, believe and when you put things out into the atmosphere you put things out there into the ether getting all kind of woo-woo up in here something will come to your doorstep and I know something will come or um, an opportunity whether it's like I move up in a company and I help manage other virtual assistants or I don't know we'll see what the world brings me or another business entirely or I do something totally different who knows but realistically I can't continue to work six to seven days a week for 20 years, right? Do you ever feel like or that? Or more. Or yeah. more. Um, 
sort of. I think, I mean, we've talked about this on here too, but I think that because I have this plan of building this so that I can sell it, there is very much an understanding that, and maybe part of the reason why I like, um, flocked to that idea so enthusiastically is that then it is temporary, but it's my choice, right? And that way I will get to choose when I exit instead of like whatever circumstances choosing for me. And there is this feeling of in five to eight years, I hope that this company is in a really great position to sell. And at that point, I may or may not want to sell it because I may love it and that's fine. But also I'm very much building it and this is a whole other conversation, but I'm very much trying to build it in a way that I can be the CEO. So my role, it's already kind of shifting that way. I've been working on like the beginnings of that transition where, you know, I have always called myself a podcast producer and strategic consultant. I'm trying to transition into introducing myself more as a CEO and founder. And it's the difference between being a service provider and being a leader in my own company, right? And I currently am doing both. I am leadership of my own company and I also am providing service. But by expanding my team, it like allows me to step more into more of the CEO role and less of the service provider role. All of this to say that I am trying to build in that progression for myself so that I am designing what the next iteration looks like. And I feel a little bit like I'm already in a new iteration from where I was a year and a half ago, you know? So it's it's just sort of, um, I'm definitely a planner. And so planning for what I want the different iterations to look like. And you and I spitball all the time of establishing a community or a membership for big brave business one day and you know what other things could we do at other events we've even like talked about a conference and all kinds of like cool things that this could grow into and we also spitball all the time of like let's start a subscription box about this let's do you know there's so many different ways to generate revenue and so many different businesses that can exist as sort of concurrent uh <laughs> projects as each, you know, as you're doing other things. So I feel like that would really help a lot figuring out what, what the next stage looks like. Like if you wanted to dial it back on client work in the next five years or whatever, I'm not trying to put a timeline on it for you. I just wanted it to sound long <laughs> because I don't want you to, to stop. I love you working oh, for me. Oh no, I think I'll always will work. I just wonder like to what, to what degree, like does it need to be 15 clients at once? <laughs> I think that I think that's a really I think those are all really valid fears and concerns. I think it'll be really interesting to see where we all end up in the next couple of years and see how we all feel. Yeah, everything changes. Yep. And the world's on fire, so like also. <laughs> <laughs> So on that note, what are three things that have been bringing you joy this past week? 
Okay. Or two weeks. Or lately. I don't know. Let's not put a time frame on it. In general. Some things that are bringing you joy right now. (laughs) Yeah. So first and foremost, I have been binge watching. I was telling you a little bit about it. I'm late to the party, I know, but I've been binging in the dark on Netflix. I have been devouring all four seasons. I just learned yesterday that there's not going to be a fifth season and I am devastated. And I'm already preparing myself to be disappointed on how it ends on on the fourth season. But I love the show. It's a blind woman who is trying to solve crimes with her all of her friends and it's dark and gritty and raw and I love it. It's delicious. I can't quit watching it in the dark <laughs> on Netflix. Also, she has a blind no, not a blind. What is it called? She has like a, a service dog in the show and his name is Pretzel and he makes the show. Okay. What's making you happy? <laughs> One thing that is making me happy is that I I can't remember if I already said this, so I apologize. But if I did, then it's still making me happy. So that's okay. I should keep track of what I say in these. Anyways, I built out an updated PodFox Media. Well, actually, it's the first one ever. PodFoxMedia.com website. And this was really necessary because, well, first of all, like, I need a website. But second of all, on the back end, there is a members only area. So we're soft launching a membership right now, but we're, we're, we will launch launch it. And as part of that, there's a bunch of resources and I'm doing live trainings. And by the time this episode is airing, I will have done my first live training as part of PodFox. It's not my first live training ever. I like love public speaking, but my first live training for the general public and my clients about podcast strategy. And we're specifically talking this month about how to host a good interview and ask good interview questions and the biggest mistakes that podcasters make when they are doing interviews. And I'm so excited. I have been working really hard on the backend setup, the resource that comes as a digital download for everybody who participates. Also, of course, like the slide deck and the outline. And I just love public speaking. It's like one of the things I most wanted to do in starting a business. And I guess it's not crazy to think the podcast girl wants to talk. But yes, I do. I'm just really excited about it. I'm energized by it. It really feels like the next iteration of this business. I love it. That's bringing me joy. I'm excited. I'm sitting in on it tomorrow and I cannot wait. I'm excited. I'll be your biggest fan tomorrow. Um, my second thing is uh, not, not work related at all, but it is my dog. Aubrey is a rescue. He's my buddy. He is a, about like a 15, 18 pound Yorkie and he slipped a disc in his back about two weeks ago. And I have been, obviously I work from home and he has had to stay confined for over a week and a half in his room. And it's ultra sad because he can't hear. So I can't turn the TV on music on for him back there to keep him company. And so we've been keeping him high as a kite on CBD for like a week and a half. He's just been sleeping his life away. Well, he is going back to the vet on Friday, but he's already so much better. He basically couldn't jump on anything. So we had to keep him confined. Anyways, my little man is doing so good and I'm so Aww. happy cuz I was so scared we were going we were going to have to like put him down or whatever, but did you know that if you have a bulging disc or even a slipped disc like he had that if you stay like you lay down, your back will heal itself? Did you know this? I learned from the vet because I assume like if you slip a disc, it's 
slipped. Like it's got, it's like floating around in your body somewhere. It's not, it actually will, mm-hmm. your back will heal itself. So there you go. What's your, what's your second That's thing? Interesting. Okay. My, first of all, I'm really happy to hear that he's doing well. And I, yeah, that was scary when you had to go to the vet. So I'm really glad to hear he's doing well. My second thing is patting myself on the back because I am getting an award on Thursday. So I also teach college courses at my alma mater, which is Arizona State University. And I am getting an award for faculty associate of the year on Thursday. So that was totally unexpected. And I honestly, I feel like I'm kind of the squeaky wheel. Like I'm always pointing out things that need to be better or, and I really kind of thought, this department is going to get sick of me and this job is not long for this, for this world. I really love it. I really do love teaching. I love working with students, especially I work with freshmen all the way to grad students. And um, I especially love working with freshmen and helping them with like college readiness and just helping support them in a way that's not just going to help them be successful in this course, but also that they can go on and be more successful throughout the rest of their college experience and telling them things that I wish people told me. I wish my professors told me. I don't like when teachers or instructors play like a guessing game of see if you can figure out what I want from you. I like really try to help students understand sort of what to expect in this new like chapter. And um, so, yeah, so I'm getting faculty associate of the year. That's huge, Sarah. Yeah, it's really so huge. Are you like, how do you get the award? Is there a ceremony? Can I live stream it? What are we doing? I'm sure it's not live streamed, (laughs) but it is. um, And it's not even like, it's not like a fancy, it's a luncheon. So it's during the day on Thursday. It's a luncheon, not lunch. It's luncheon. So it's, I know. Yes, yes, that makes it, that makes it awardsier. So yeah. And then I've been thinking, like, what the heck am I going to wear? Because I very much live in, my work from home attire so like i'm gonna have to figure out a uh a good awards luncheon what what do you want to do an awards luncheon so anyways that's been my like big stress but that's bringing me joy it was so thrilling to get notified that yeah and eric's going with me because i can have a guest so we're going to a luncheon this week and i'm just tickled pink that's so nice that makes me so so happy nobody else deserves it more and I'm sure like the other faculty members the people that you have quote-unquote bothered with like all your questions and all the things (laughs) I bet they appreciate that you give a damn about about your job and you're not just like winging it on a not like you know what I mean just phoning it in I guess so and then ironically I had a student complaint this week that went to like my supervisor (gasps) And I was so annoyed. And I said to Eric, like, on this, the week of my award. (laughs) The week of my luncheon. 
Okay, my last thing about what is making me happy is I finished a book by Rachel Hawkins, who I love. I love to read her stuff because it's so fun. It's so um, engaging to read. She's a great storyteller and a great writer. And she's also from Alabama, and I love to support any female authors specifically, but a female author that's from my state who has done really big things. Like she's a New York Times bestseller um, in a genre that I love, which I love fiction in general. Um, and she, she, the way she's approached her career is so much like if I ever wrote a book, like how I would want to do it. And so I love to read her stuff, but um, and I read everything that she writes. So she came out with a book a couple, about a month ago called The Villa. Did I mention this? No, I didn't. I didn't mention this book already. I think you just told me. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast. Okay. I finished The Villa this past week. I thought it was really great. I hope they make it into a movie. It would make a incredible movie. But it was a great book. If you're looking for something to read out on a picnic somewhere, and I'm thinking springtime, or if you're going to the beach whenever it's not freezing in Alabama, and you go to the <sighs> beach, I hope that you take this book with you because I thought it was really great. It's obviously set in a villa in Tuscany, and it's beautiful, but it's also Ooh. got some thriller aspects to it. And like I said, the writing is really great. There's dual timelines, which I typically don't love, but this I really did. So... Highly, highly, highly recommend it. Also, an honorable mention for this week, if you have not watched Daisy Jones and the Six on Amazon, also by one of my favorite female authors that has now turned into a TV show, by Taylor Jenkins Reid. She's an incredible author. That show on Amazon is so freaking good. If you haven't watched it, oh my gosh, it's so good. I've been listening to the... Okay, uh, anyways, go ahead. What's yours? What's your last one? So the third thing that is bringing me joy is... Okay, so confession. This is a a hot take, but I, you guys, I don't like coffee. Uh, I know nobody understands. How are we friends? And so many people in my life, throughout my life, have said, "Oh, I know a coffee you'll like," and they like make me a drink or buy me a drink and uh, try to get me to like it. And I just, it's not even the flavor of coffee; it's the way it leaves my mouth feeling. I hate the way coffee makes my mouth feel. So, anyways. One of the things that has been interesting in entrepreneurship is how often you meet people for coffee. I go for coffee all the time, but I don't drink coffee. Do you like tea? And no, I think tea tastes like dirt water. And you may be thinking, where is this going? Because how is this bringing you joy? But I do like meeting people, quote unquote, for coffee. I just don't get coffee. But I never really know what to get. So if it's cold enough, I'll get a a hot chocolate because that's delightful and it brings me joy. And it's okay that it's something that the children order because it's delightful. (laughs) So I don't mind depending on like where it's from. And then I can compare who has the best hot chocolate and it's fun. But as I mentioned, it was 95 degrees yesterday when I met someone for coffee, so I was definitely not getting a hot chocolate. So the barista, I happened to be at Starbucks this time. I tend There's a specific Starbucks I like meeting people at because of the location. It's like really convenient to sort of the whole area. Um, so anyways, we met at the Starbucks and I was like, I don't know what I want to get because I don't like coffee. And the barista said, do you want some suggestions? All peppy and ready to help me. And I was like, sure. So we kind of talked through. So I had my very first Starbucks pink drink. 
it was definitely better than coffee. <laughs> I enjoyed it, but it did make me very saucy. My uh, the person I met with for for said coffee was noticing I was very saucy, and I said I think it's the drink. So, anyways, it's fun. Now I want to experiment with other Starbucks drinks, and I want to know. What is your go-to Starbucks drink that is not coffee? Both you, Amanda, and also whoever's listening, please tell me your go-to non-coffee Starbucks drink so that I can experiment with a variety of non-coffee. Okay. So what I normally get is a venti sweet cream cold brew with a shot of espresso. However, lately I have been getting, I know you asked for not coffee, but lately I've been (laughs) getting a brown sugar shaken espresso with oat milk and I actually add a shot of espresso in that because I'm a psychopath and it's delicious it's so good it tastes like a candle in a cup and I mean that in the best possible way (laughs) it's so good it's like brown sugar Christmas but a drink that I will get if I don't want coffee which is never is they do have like really good lemonades they used to have like a dragon fruit type lemonade that I had once that I thought was really really good but I'm a tea person too. Like I like tea uh, occasionally, mostly coffee though. So I'm not much help here in this department because if I'm not drinking an energy drink or coffee, I'm drinking water. What's your drink that you don't drink whenever you're like, what's your like go-to drink during the day? Diet Pepsi. I mean, I'll drink Diet Coke as well. Like I used to be a Diet Coke fanatic. And then a while ago, like years ago, they got rid of aspartame from diet pepsi so i switched well now aspartame's back in diet pepsi so it doesn't matter anyway but now i just i like it better which is weird because i always liked diet coke better but yeah i'm a diet soda drinker i know there's absolutely nothing like positive nothing no benefit to drinking diet soda i know that you don't have to tell me i enjoy it it makes me happy and it caffeinates me so it's fine okay do you drink it do you drink a lot of water yeah, so I'll switch like um it depends on the day and what time I have to get up the next day, but I'll switch around like between 4 and 6 to water and then I just drink water the rest of the yeah, night. So, yeah. Okay, yeah. guys. Well, you heard it here first. Sarah's not a coffee drinker, so share your drinks that you get when you go to Starbucks that are not <laughs> coffee. That's definitely not the first place I've said it, but I appreciate you. And Yes, um, I do. I Please give me the recommendations. I think I used to do like, I think it was a passion tea lemonade from Starbucks and I loved it. But I just, I want to experiment. I want to, but I'm like so nervous about how to order it. So you have to tell me literally what to say. When you tell me what drink to get, you have to literally write it out for me because I'm not a Starbucks goer. So I don't know the lingo. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for tuning in this week. Um, we hope that you'll connect with us on Instagram at Big Brave Business. You can find Sarah at Sarah K. Heater. And you can find me on Instagram at Amanda Nelson Reads. We'll see you next time.